to another episode of Fermented Faith, a podcast where we talk about the impact that the gospel has on the everyday things of life. I am Neil Clayton. I am with Jordan Byrne. Anthony Harris is out on assignment today. Today we have our special guest, Tim Bueller. All right. Well, yeah, I invited Tim. We're talking about uh, the gospel and counseling or therapy and, and why how do we approach that as Christians? I think um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but I know from my own experience, there was a lot of stigma around the idea of getting counseling. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think I've, I've had a, an experience that's been really positive, and I think I'm better better for it, but I, I know that the, that still exists. And, and not only stigma, it's a misunderstanding. And so, Tim, uh, I want you to, to speak to a lot of that, but I think before that, I think just your story is interesting. So uh, I'd love for people to hear a little bit about your background because you you haven't always been a counselor by vocation, right? 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 Always done a lot some, of counseling, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell tell folks a little bit about who yeah. you are and what you've done for your life and how you ended up doing yeah. therapy as a as a vocation. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I have done about I don't know twenty five years of ministry in vocational pastoral work, and most of my ministry career was in youth ministry. And so working with teenagers and their families, um, of course, naturally, I did a lot of counseling. And so counseling parents on how to not bring the house down on the child when they need to discipline them <laughs> or, um, you know, to help students work through things that were so depressing in their life that they wanted to, you know, do self-harm and things like that. So stuff that pretty much all youth pastors, Neil, you know what I'm talking about, have dealt with in in ministry. Well, you do too, Jordan. So like, yeah, we've all been in youth ministry. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, to to realize that you know, twenty five years of youth ministry and uh, a short stint of church planting, um, you know, later all those years later, here we are. Um, now I'm a licensed professional counselor and. Uh, going on to, to do other things and counseling even further. I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. It is interesting, though, and I do need to give a little shout-out to my wife because literally 25 years ago, I was in Bible college uh, getting close to finishing up, and Maria was taking, like, this continuing ed sort of class on counseling, and she said one night she comes home, she, she says, Tim, you would be great at counseling. Hmm. And I, I looked at her and I said... I'm not going to sit and listen to people's problems all day long. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, I want to be a youth pastor until I die. <laughs> that was my goal. And so it is interesting now she will uh, she will say things like, you're, you know, you're doing this because, you know, I, I saw it a long time ago. <laughs> and so I, I don't yeah. really like to give her credit, but I will right now. <laughs> well, I think she does deserve that credit. Right but, but I think also those of us that knew you, it was sort of a no-brainer. It's what you were, one of the things you were just naturally really good at, mm. like just just who you are, right? I, I I like to tell a story of because you and I, so you were the launch pastor for our church, yeah, and I was on that team as a volunteer, and I tried to resign my volunteer position <laughs> at least twice, maybe three times. I remember those times, and I would set you down, and I would try to quit, and I would leave like 
ready to plant another church. Like <laughs> you were so encouraging and so diffusing, and I was just like, I don't know what just happened. Tim just did a like Jedi mind trick on me, and now I. I I, I didn't quit, and I think I just signed up for something else. Like, I don't even know. Right. I'm just kidding. You weren't trying to sign me up for something else, but you were very good at encouraging. And I think Maria tells a similar story of she tried to break up with you at yeah, one that's point right. when you were, she you were dating. Yes, we were early on in our dating, and she had me come over, and she was going to break up with me. But You talked her out of it? I talked her out of it. Wow. So we were perhaps not setting a good precedent for what counseling is. It sounds pretty manipulative, actually. But I'm just good at getting what I want. I don't know. No, I think I, those are funny stories, but I think what we're echoing is that you're, you're just a, you're incredibly good at empathizing and make, making people feel validated and important and yeah. listening and, and then helping them, pointing them to God like consistently. Yeah. I think that was the gift that I heard lots of people affirm. And so when you made the decision to pursue... Uh, counseling, uh, everybody was like, "Yep, that checks out. That that that's yeah. gonna make a lot of sense." Tim's gonna be used. Like Tim's already been used by God yeah. in that field in this training and perfect. You know, is only going to amplify that influence. Yeah. And so I agree with that too. And I saw I saw God doing that in me uh, all along. To be honest with you, and I wanted to think that I was going to be the you know seventy five year old youth pastor, but honestly, the the shelf life had come to an end. I mean, it just did. I mean, yeah. I, I still have tons of energy, but. Um, That's just, a whole other type. Yeah, it's of a whole other type. Yeah. yeah. So, and to be able to listen to people and walk with people through the things that uh, that they're going through and have gone through in their life is definitely something God has gifted me to do for sure. Yeah. So I've seen that. Awesome. Well, so tell us a little bit about. So what did you do? So you went back to school. Yeah. So I um, after I was the um, family ministry pastor here at the Journey, um, I just really sent the Lord leading me to resign um, my position to go to grad school for counseling. Yes, yeah, so I went and got my master's in counseling through Missouri, Missouri Baptist University um, here right locally, which was kind of neat. Didn't have to go to, to uh, St. Louis to do it, but like, you know, get my like counseling degree. Like program here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, my professor at the time is now my supervisor at the agency that I work for, which is kind of cool. But you too. recruited him. I did there, recruit yeah. him, yeah. <laughs> I'm be my boss. Yeah. There I am, getting what I want again. <laughs> What's yeah, going on? There's a theme here, bro. <laughs> I need counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Done. So, uh, so yeah, I went and got my master's in counseling, and um, once I finished that, then it was just on, the race was on to get um, my licensure. And so I actually interviewed at a church, um, not even really interviewed, more of a phone call conversation type of thing. And um, they were talking about me maybe being their counseling pastor, and they were so confused as to why I would get my license and why I would really even need to finish my master's. And I was really confused about all of that. And um, it kind of made me made it clear to me that, you know, at that at least at that position at the church that, that was I was talking to, they they didn't really want me because I wanted to become a professional counselor that would be able to help people through mental health issues and not just deal with only, you know, like marital stuff and male addiction type of things, you know, that we deal with in the church. And so really really working with people in the community uh, through the mental health agency is really what I I think God has really kind of uniquely fitted me to do. And then, you know, and then I have the pastoral thing, too, because I know what pastors go through. And uh, being a pastor myself for so many years, um, so in a way, I kind of 
my dad was a chiropractor. I'll kind of say it like this. My dad was a chiropractor growing up, and he retired from that. And if there was a another chiropractor that needed an adjustment, my dad would just do it for free. Mm-hmm. So um, in so much as I've seen that modeled, uh, I've done a lot of counseling for pastors, uh, just pro bono, just for free, because I'm not trying to open myself up to that, but at the same time, <laughs> I do it because... Tim Bueller. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that's something that uh, I understand, and sure. and uh, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. I think you know there's a real stigma for people, but especially pastors. Like, mm. I can't tell anybody that I've gone through what I've gone through, um, or I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with, and so... So I just I, I've made myself available to that on several occasions, and uh, and, it, and it's been me very meaningful. That's awesome. Yeah, I know I've been a been a beneficiary of that informally and yeah. informally from you, and, and been grateful for it. So awesome. I think you 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 began to bring up part of the tension, even with the the church that you talked to about the position. I don't know if they were devaluing the professional side, but it wasn't top on their list. It right. wasn't something they were they they necessarily wanted to integrate. Right. And, and and you did want the professional side, but that didn't mean you walked away from your faith. Correct. You, you don't check your faith at the door mm-hmm. whenever you start doing counseling. No, right? correct. So talk to us a little bit about how do those things interact? How, you know, your faith and and the gospel and then the professional side of, you know, mental health and and therapy like can you right. help give some insight of your own experience yeah. of understanding that? I mean, uh, you know, just, totally. just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think that um, when it comes to to mental health and spirituality, I think a lot of times people get a little bit confused because I think that there's um, that there's this mindset that if I'm spiritual enough or if I'm walking close enough with the Lord, that I won't have any mental emotional issues, and so that becomes real problematic. And frankly, I think that I was doing that for quite a bit of my career as a youth pastor as well. Like, no, I'm fine. I got this. And I have some accountability guys that are going to walk with me and help me make good choices. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to, I don't need any counseling. I just want to do accountability. I want to have sort of this mentor to kind of walk with me. And that's great. I mean, there's certainly a place for that. In fact, I've, I've built a whole ministry model out of 2 Timothy 2.2, yeah. talking about disciple-making and how we make disciples who make disciples. So, like, I get that, and I love that. And there's a lot of people out there in the ministry world and in the business world today that have been discipled by me, but um, to be able to realize that, you know, some of their the their traumatic and their difficult things from their childhood and even the things that they struggle with currently with addictions and stuff like that go deeper than just how close am I with the Lord? Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I had to wrestle with that myself and, and really, frankly, we joked a minute ago, but get my own counseling. So I go to my own counselor and I have for years and, you know, and it's just been, it's been very important for me in my own um, mental health. So, so, Go ahead. I can see. I can see that. I mean, for myself as well, I I feel like um, maybe early on, um, as a as a young adult, I I felt exactly that. That you know, I can I can take care of the the emotions if if um, I'll I'll just put them to, I'll shelve them until I can deal with them, or um, or yeah. Um, but after a while, I, I I came to a point of maybe self awareness that like, yeah, this is something beyond your pay grade. Yeah. 
um, and so I think I, I began to realize that wh- what where is why is it that we disconnect mental health from overall general health? I mean, we go to a doctor right. if we get a fever, but we don't think our our emotional psychological health is just yeah. as important yeah. or significant. Um, so I I've been, I've begun to realize how much our mental health affects our physical health and vice versa. How much For our sure. physical health affects our emotional. So it's all interconnected in my sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I read uh, I read a lot of uh, a, a doctor named Caroline Leaf, and she talks about that very, very specifically. And she's a neuroscientist, but she's also a believer. And so helping people to realize that, hey, look, just because, you know, you're 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 wrestling with toxic thoughts or emotions um, doesn't mean that you're gonna you know it's not just toxic thoughts and emotions there it's going to impact your physical life absolutely mm-hmm. and so yeah and there's empirical studies that even prove a lot of that um, so yeah it's not it's not something to just ignore um, you know, and we would like to do that, especially in the church. Just people in general like to pretend that everything's fine. That's why Facebook works. <laughs> you know, yeah. social media works. Because See, episode people, two? That's, <laughs> right. that's exactly right. It was a very good episode, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. It's all just putting the best foot forward. Yeah. Uh, so don't pretend, you know, don't make look like you're, you know, broken or something's wrong with you. And so, but you're right, Neil. People, you know, if you got an abscess tooth, you're going to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But if you're having a hard time getting to sleep at night and you're having night ter- terrors or even your children are having night terrors, you're not going to go find somebody that's going to actually speak into that. You're just going to try to stuff that down inside and go, I'm going to burn through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, don't think that, I think that's kind of disingenuous. <laughs> yeah. And, and, <laughs> to I, yourself. and I think that brings up, I, I think we, I think there is a, particular stigma that's in the church about counseling, but I don't think it's it's not exclusive. And you right. said that earlier. It's not just their faith. It's it's just people in general and how they right. feel perceive counseling is 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 sort of for I think we said, you know, I'm not that broken. Right. You know, like I don't need that. Like that's for that's for people who have really been jacked up or, yeah. or whatever, however we fill in that blank. So I think that that stigma and that view extends beyond the faith world. However, I think the the secular culture is is rapidly destigmatizing mm-hmm. mental health. I mean, there's yeah. celebrities and, and just oh, a yeah. lot of people talking about it, and I think in some positive ways. Um, um, but in, anyway, but and so I think the church has some catching up to do and some balancing to do. I mean, I don't think that we go in, anyway. But I, I did find it interesting. There's a there's a former Navy SEAL that I I listened to for just some leadership stuff, and I know Neil, you, you've heard of him as well, Jocko Willink, and he's just a monster of a man. <laughs> Um, and former Navy SEAL commander, and I mean, he's just—he's physically a monster. And his voice is scary. Yeah, he's—he's he's most <laughs> probably one of the more terrifying yeah. individuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's—he's a, he's a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he's like 260 pounds, and he can do 60 strict pull-ups. He's just a monster in general. But I um, imagine even as a toddler, he was a scary toddler, just an intense <laughs> yeah. individual. But anyway, he was—I heard him on a podcast, and and somebody was writing in questions and asking him questions, and one one of them was, "What would you say to somebody who's considering suicide tonight?" Hmm. And he unpacked his own sort of understanding. So he, he said a couple things, but one of the things he said pretty quickly was, "Hey, you know, get through the night, but tomorrow you need to get some professional help." And he said, "I'm not one that used to really know what to do with that." 
I, I was more, you know, typical macho, you know, guy just kind of tough it out or whatever. But he's, I started to see that the value of like what therapists do, what clinical counseling does. And, and he likened it to, he's like, hey, you're, you're, something goes wrong with your car. You take that to a mechanic. Right? Yeah. They're going to fix that. Yeah. Because they, they know that machine, they know yeah. how it works, and they know how to diagnose mm-hmm. and repair the issue. He right. said the same thing happens with our with our brains with like stuff can get broken stuff can go wrong and and it needs a repair and he said in a lot of ways and so he likened you know therapy to that and I thought that's helpful it's very you helpful. Know, that, that's just a helpful way to sort of destigmatize and think about it yeah, for sure. um, and I don't think I think the Bible would do that even more I think I think we I think as as people of faith can go even further with that but I think it's not less than that I think it is it's exactly. a helpful way to, to, to look at it so it gives good handles to grab a hold of and yes. say well yeah of course you know get get a major problem medically i go to a specialist to get something wrong with my car i'm not going to get out there and try to open the hood and do something that i don't know what i'm doing or yeah. i'm not going to ignore it so yeah yeah you're absolutely right so, okay so is there uh, is there different types of therapy and if so you don't have to go through i'm, I'm sure you can get really complex with that and different theories and all that yeah. But just generally, are there different types? And if so, what, what do you do? Yeah. So obviously there's uh, the most, uh, well, the tip, most typical therapy is like talk therapy where you just go and you sit down with somebody and they, they talk you through stuff and you talk to them and they listen. And then um, the one thing that I would just caveat is counseling is not advice. Mm. Right. That's a difficult, that's also a stigma that people think, well, I'm just going to go get advice from. I mean, I even have clients today say, well, what would you advise me on this? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I don't make a big deal about that, but it's not advice. You can get advice from, again, you can get advice about your car from, you know, the, the guy standing on the street corner or sure. the cashier at Dollar General. Um, but if you're going to want to get counseling, you go to a counselor. And so uh, mental health counseling is something that uh, is very sp- specifically different than advice. Um, so it's your professional question askers, really? Yes, it's true. Yeah, you absolutely. <laughs> well, are. I, I'm half joking, but I remember when I went to my when I went to counseling. This dude would, I mean, he was brilliant, and 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 he didn't even say much, but he would just ask me questions, and I'm and it was super <laughs> uncomfortable because he was hitting on like, you know, super like tender and closed off parts of me. Yeah, and asked me questions I did not know how to answer. Yeah, and you know, I would squirm. And I would get really uncomfortable, and I would say, "I don't, I don't know." And he, he was just unfazed. He would go, yeah, "Okay, right. just take your time." Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, so you're not gonna save me here? You're right. not gonna like, That's you're right. not gonna tell me anything? Yeah. You're just gonna sit there and let me?" And and he did, and I, it was maddening. I was like, "Dude, this is the most uncomfortable thing." Ever, but he was fine with letting me take ten minutes to, yeah. and that's a long time. And it, anyway, yeah. and he may have been more extreme than others, and it was brilliant. It worked, yeah, because he got into the deep parts of my heart that I didn't want to go. That's exactly. But right. yeah, so anyway, sorry, I hijacked. No, it, but no, yeah. that's, so it's that's, not. It wasn't advice. I, I think no. I thought that I would sit down. And this guy would tell me how to fix my issues, but instead he just asked me really pointed questions. Yeah, almost like this is terrifying. Yeah, but well, helpful. <laughs> and I believe that you know. People have the solutions to what they're struggling with already there. They're already there, right? Especially, I mean, for us believers, we know that, you know, you know this is true, you know, with the gospel. I mean, so we, we know that. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't have mental health issues and, and mental health problems because you know, just because we have the gospel doesn't mean, you know, that the, the abuse that took place when we were, you know, four, five, and six years old didn't actually happen and didn't actually phase us. That doesn't mean that. 
Um, but to get to a place where we are able to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the need to work through something bad enough. I'm going to go ahead and go to a counselor. So talk therapy is a way to do that. Um, probably the most, <clears throat> another one of the, in talk therapy, probably cognitive behavioral therapy is probably one of the, the, mo- the lowest hanging fruit ones because you're really just taking, like Jordan, you just said, you know, I have these thoughts and I have these feelings and then I have these behaviors and they are not uh, great. So what do I do with them? And you just look at the counselor. What do I do with them? And the cognitive behavioral therapist will look at you and say, well, what, do you, what would you rather do? Mm. You know, and so, well, I would rather do this. And then you kind of get to this place where you're you're figuring it out. Okay, well, in order to do that, then what do I have to think? What do I have to believe? What do I have to do? So uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the things that a lot of therapists will utilize in talk therapy. And so um, the other thing that I do is I got trained in something called EMDR. It's uh, mm. eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And so it sounds a little bit, you know, like voodoo out there. Um, it's You're hypnotizing people, obviously. Right. Yeah, that's what it feels like <laughs> at first, you know, because you're doing these eye movements. Um, but uh, as a matter of fact... That's what I, would, I tell people. Yeah. Go to see Tim. He'll hypnotize you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> It'll be great. You'll love it. You won't even know you were there. Um, but yeah, you, you get, um, you know, you get to, to this place where you're doing these eye movements. And, and actually, most of my clients don't even prefer the eye movements. They prefer the, uh, the tapping because it's, all it is is bilateral stimulation. So the brain has two sides. Um, and so what you're doing is, is the, you're addressing the brain using bilateral stimulation so and this works with little babies uh this works with adults this works with everybody um it's just stimulating both sides of the brain just you know one after the the other and honestly it's kind of why if you and not everybody feels benefit from this but a lot of people when they when they're stressed out they go for a walk Mm. they feel better Mm mm-hmm um, huh, because yeah. you're bilaterally stimulating mm-hmm. and you're not running. Now, some people feel better after a run, too. Those people are ridiculous and really need counseling. Um, <laughs> yeah. I kid. For all you runners out there, I'm sure you're doing great. But um, what I'm saying running is... Running from your problems. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. What about Bob? So, you know, you've got um, just the bilateral stimulation is really what what helps to attach and desensitize and, and kind of slow down the brain, mm. um, the part of the brain that is sort of our feeling center. And so it's it's beautiful when you can do some bilateral stimulation with a client and they're all when they come in, they're all worked up and you just bilaterally stimulate with them, uh, either with eye movements or just kind of tapping on their um, on their hands or whatever. And and then after just a couple of minutes, they are you know, much more de-escalated and able to think through um, what it is that has really been bothering them. And so they kind of get to the root of it instead of just staying on the surface of how bad this feels. And so, uh, so I do, I do some EMDR. I do a lot of just talk therapy. So that, yeah. So for people that have never heard of that before, and that was me six months ago or whenever you started talking about it to me, you know, um, I mean, and this is my layman's explanation, so you can clean it up and correct. But, <laughs> you know, sort of what that's doing is addressing, because you said, you know, th- there's this, uh, when we have trauma, when we have issues, 
the body remembers, the brain stores that in a certain way. Now, yes. we may have closed that off and, and are not willing to deal with that, or we've learned to cope with that in whatever way that we... Correct. And sometimes it's not healthy. Correct. Uh, and so, but we're not able to really process any deeper. But what the... Because... So, f- full disclosures, you you did a little bit of MDR with me, because mm-hmm. I had some traumatic... I had some abuse in my past, uh, you know, from um, when I was a kiddo and, and an older cousin. Um, and so... Um, when we did that, so it, it's like you had me remember the, you had me kind of cite the, the furthest back that I can remember. Yep. And then you did the bilateral stimulation. Yep. And then, and you would do that for a period of time and you would ask me, okay, now what? Yeah, what are you noticing? And and it's sort of like diffused that like firing of emotions and like I can't go there. And mm-hmm. it sort of just like began to open that up to more rationale and more heat, like, it just diffused that hot spot of yeah. reactions, yeah. like lower brain reaction type of things into more upper brain rational. Again, mm-hmm. so it's my total layman's yeah. explanation there, but but right, is that sort of in a way one of the one of the absolutely is what what you're, what you're describing is is especially your experience of it because it was it was amazing to watch what happened in those sessions, Jordan, and but the the reality of what EMDR does is it 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 tries to keep whatever you're dealing with out of the rational brain. Okay. And so we what we want to do is we want to we want to address the emotion. And so um, that's why when the when the brain is being bilaterally stimulated, you um, you keep whatever you're dealing with in uh, what's what's known as the limbic system, which is the feeling center of the brain. And so when, when you keep the, the memory there in a session, you're, you're safe because you're not necessarily having to relive the whole thing. That's the other thing I love about EMDR over some of this other, you know, some of the other really good trauma-focused um, therapies. Um, there are just some really good ways to, to deal with that. But one of the things that those things, uh, those types of therapies go is you have to go through the whole thing. Tell yeah. the whole story, and boy, that's really difficult for a lot of people. Um, you know, even if you don't even remember, like there's a lot of things in my past that I don't even remember, mm-hmm. and so to be able to just keep that in the feeling center in a safe way, where you're not having to deal with every detail of everything that took place to you um, or you know around you, um, that's why this is a great uh, trauma uh, trauma therapy for people who have had war PTSD, PTSD or any kind of PTSD at all because a lot of times we shut those memories out. They're too painful to remember. And so um, EMDR can go find those because mm-hmm. your brain has hidden it on purpose mm-hmm. because it's too painful to deal with. And then you just kind of you go find it with the, the bilateral stimulation in a place where... You're not just, okay, you know, we're going to open this up and then off you go, have a good rest of the day. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a very specific protocol that we do to really address those things and get to a, a really healthy, healthy spot for each person. It's, it really is fascinating. And I have a, I have a client. Fascinating. fascinating. You got a little, you're, I did. you're from the north. From the north. I am a little bit. <laughs> and so I have a one client that says it's real sciencey. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really sciencey, <laughs> and it is. It's brain science. Yeah, 
And so it's, it is. Okay. And so we maybe went a little deeper than the, than the average person wanted to go. But the reason I, I, I sort of leaned into that is because I think this is part of what helps the, the gospel and mm-hmm. counseling collide. Because I don't think God is intimidated by us learning more about his beautiful design, his exactly. complex, wonderful design, right? Like, he's not surprised. Oh, they figured out that the brain has two sides, and you buy, you stay, like, he's not like, oh, no, they're going to, like, I think he's like, I heard Louis, Louis Giglio one time when he was talking about, like, the university. He's like, God's up there going, yeah, come on, I got more. Yeah, that's you right. Keep exploring. Yeah. Your, your mind's just going to keep getting blown. And I think our bodies are the same so way. Like, good. as we learn about, as we, as we medically advance and, and learn, like, I think God's just like, yeah, I know. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And, and it's awesome. The way he's made us is awesome. And sin is terrible. Mm-hmm. And the effects of, of, of those things are not what he wants for us. And he does want wholeness. He does want healing. For sure. So I think he's glorified by yeah. these pursuits of, of healing, especially when they're connected to gospel yeah. roots and you know grounded for in that. Sure. And so that, that's part of why I, I think it's fascinating. The science is fascinating because it makes me worship. Yeah, oh, go, absolutely. Like, man, yeah. God's brilliant, you know? Yeah. His design is brilliant. It, it, it really is. It's amazing. So let me ask you this. Sure. So I got some uh, talk therapy a few years ago, um, but at the time, I didn't think I needed any counseling. Mm-hmm. I had a, I have a good friend up in Decatur that's a professional counselor. He came down just to hang out for a little bit, and we're just shooting the breeze and talking and he started asking me questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, he was diagnosing me. Right. He said, you know, you sound like you're totally depressed. Mm-hmm. I said, ah, I've, I've had a couple bad days, but, but nah. Yeah, right. He said, you may want to consider talking to someone. Mm. I said, okay. <laughs> so, fortunately, I found a really good counselor here in the area. Went to her for... Probably, probably for a full year. Yeah. And she did. She just asked a lot of questions. I yeah. hated her for yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <And maddening>. so, <laughs> but, uh, but I realized, I, you know, I went to her and I said, I know I'm probably drinking too much. Um, I'm having some trouble with some anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told her, I gave her all my problems. We talked about some past trauma. And I was, I was ready for a prescription. I was ready. For, I, yeah. I, I want some happy pills. Right. Make this easy for me. Uh-huh. Just give me some happy pills and let's be done with it. Right. No. So my question is, so what are some, I, I know this is a, a very um, generalized question, mm-hmm. but you want, using the, the tar metaphor again, yeah. what are some like red lights on the dashboard that you may want to consider counseling if these these indicators are coming on in your life. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and actually very, very specific, not as broad as you think. Um, So appreciate that, Neil. Um, In a person's life when, you know, you'd mentioned, well, I'm drinking too much. All right, well, if you know you're drinking too much, well, then everybody else probably knows too, unless you're drinking by yourself than just the cashier at the register knows. Which is a whole other <laughs> level of concern, probably. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So if you yeah. feel like yeah. you're drinking too much, that's a that's a little warning sign on the dashboard. Um, if you're married and your spouse is saying, well, you're being really short-tempered, or what is wrong with you? You know, because, you know, you just, you're, you're one minute fine, and the next minute you're just going off the rails on the kids or whatever. 
So if you're noticing any of that kind of stuff, I mean, that's something to just pay attention to and say, all right, so is there something in my life that I'm ignoring? Um, you know, because if that's the indicator, I can ignore it, but it might be that I'm, indi- you know, ignoring other things. And so that's definitely something that you can can pay attention to. What are other people saying to you? Um, if you find yourself, you know, getting, you know, very, very tense or, tense or anxious going to, you know, the store or coming to church or, um, you know, whatever, then, yeah, you, you may have some, some things that you would like to address regarding some anxiety. The difficult thing for actually probably the most difficult thing for me as a, a professional counselor is diagnosing people. Um, because unfortunately we, we all as people, when we feel like somebody has diagnosed us with something, either officially or unofficially, um, then we wear that like it's our name tag. Mm. Hi, I'm Tim. I'm ADHD. Or hi, I'm Tim. I'm anxious. It's um, a permanent diagnosis. It's a permanent diagnosis. And if it felt better to say it, that'd be one thing. Mm. They don't ever feel better. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, unless you're really, really, truly uh, in need of some, you know, other kinds of therapy, like that. Um, that well, if you have real personality disorders then you might enjoy some of the diagnoses mm-hmm. that you'd get. But most people in this world do not like the diagnosis. It's It hurts. And it feels bad because, you know, even as you said, just give me happy pills and I'll make it. It'll be, it'll be better because the diagnosis carries a lot longer than a prescription does. Yeah. And so it's really difficult. So I hate to diagnose people. You know, that is how we treat. So, like, I have to have a diagnosis for somebody to treat them. It's kind of like... You know, back to the car analogy, you know, I don't go in for, you know, four tires and, oh, turns out you need a new engine, right? That's, yeah. you know, that doesn't usually go very well <laughs> with, with your mechanic. Um, or you go in, you know, you just, you, you treat what is there. Um, and so you have to have a diagnosis and that's the unfortunate part of what I do. But um, it's fortunate, but it's unfortunate. So um, the other thing too is, and, and I hear Jordan say this a lot uh, from the stage, um, if your marriage is mm. in a place where you smell smoke, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fighting a lot, or we're not being intimate, mm-hmm. or we're you know whatever. If you smell smoke, that would be a really good time to to come in and talk to somebody. Talk to somebody in your community group. Talk to a friend that would point you in the gospel right direction. You know, not just, hey, just bag her, you know, just forget it, you know, just go get a new one. Not that kind of a friend. Um, <laughs> talk to somebody um, if you smell smoke in your marriage. Um, that's really the time to, to do that. There's never a wrong time to do it. That's just the best time. Um, if you are seeing flames in your marriage, right, just kind of going on with a metaphor of a, of a tragedy of a house fire, um, you know, that's definitely a time to, to reach out to somebody. Uh, go to one of the elders, one of the, you know, the pat, go to Jordan, talk to somebody in your community group, just reach out. Um, because what we will do, we'll hear you if we're standing on the sidewalk looking at a pile of ashes, which was your house of mm-hmm. your marriage. We will talk to you, but we might be a little late yeah. to the game. So, like, bring people in. Before the house is in ashes in a pile on the yeah. on the ground, so um, man, that's that's probably the biggest uh, the biggest situation that we find in our church people, yeah, um, marriage or you know addictions and things like that. Um, 
you know, if you're getting fired from your job because you like to drink and party and you don't really, you're not able to get up in the morning, then, you you know, that's kind of like the house fire that's on the ground. Um, you can't keep a job. So, like, talk to us before, you know, hey, look, I might be drinking too much. Yeah. Talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, you don't necessarily need professional counseling at that time, but you might. Okay, so. so I love it. I think you bring up two really helpful. So, first of all, is I think the car analogy is just it's super helpful for me mm-hmm. because we would do this thing like, okay, if if somebody's car blew up on the side, like, okay, my car's totaled. I do have to have a new engine. And we start asking them questions. Well, was it doing? Any, was there any warning lights on? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, was it doing anything weird? Yeah, it was clicking and clanking and smoking. But I just figured, nah, I'll get to it later. I'll, it'll be all right or whatever. And then you're going to be like, okay, well, dummy, like that was a bad decision. You should have, you know, had you had you fixed that earlier, that might have been a four hundred dollar fix rather than now a fourteen thousand dollar fix or, right. or whatever. And so I think it's helpful to look at that. Like, same as, like, we, there's no, what I'm trying to say is there's no honor in toughening it out. Right. Like, mm. Jesus doesn't call us to that. Come to me, you, you you know, when you're tired and burdened, I'll give you rest. He doesn't say, hey, tough it out, right. and I'll see yeah. you on the other side, right. you know. So that's one one thing. It's interesting to encourage people. Like, there, there's, there's no honor. Like, say it. But then I think the other thing you're pointing to, which is so, I love it, because we're not trying to professionalize God's work of redemption here. Right. Right. I mean, you said earlier, you've got, you've got men in your life and, and you're not diminishing those and replacing those. Correct. Friends and mentors and accountability people. You're not replacing them because you're getting some professional counseling. Right. right? It's That's supplemental. Correct. Absolutely. And so I love the way you were saying like, okay, we'll talk to somebody. It doesn't mean if you're smelling smoke, the first step you have to do is to call the counseling center. Right. Maybe you can. It's not a bad step. Well, and I think some people know that they need to, and that's why they smell smoke, right? right? They know that they've had all of these broken relationships, and you know, and they've they've experienced a lot of abuse or in their past sure. or passive aggressive behaviors against them or the, or them to other people. So they know some people when they smell smoke, it's because they've smelled smoke before and they saw another house burn down. So you're right. So some people, most people, I would say though, when you smell smoke. Go find somebody to talk to. Yeah. So our hope is you're already in community. Like, yes. Right? We're hoping. That's what we're inviting you to regularly at the church. That's what we sort of build a lot of our ministry around is that redemptive relationships are primarily happening, you know, within the, the context of community and community groups in particular. And so that's one layer. And then, yeah, we do have pastors and elders, you know, is another layer. Um, yeah. And 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 lean on them and and see okay what you know maybe there's things you can just talk talk through there and maybe that it ends there or maybe not and and I think either way if they they might affirm in you yeah I think it'd be good to let's explore some counseling it's even better to do that in the context of community mm-hmm. you know for I sure. think for people to know like hey I'm getting you know so that it's you're not um, it's not a secret yeah so I think those that's helpful I appreciate you saying that because we're yeah. not trying to professionalize no. the redemption the, the work of the church in our lives it's yeah. this is a piece this is a hopefully supplemental piece into what God is doing yeah and a professional piece that's true you know in, in the same way that again we could just tie all these to medical you know the same way is true as like okay if you you know you're you're really struggling with you know physical like your back is really hurting. Like the first thing you might need to do is stretch, right? Like right. That, might be, that might be. Well, that's what I was wondering. I mean, I, I always think about that commercial. I can't remember if it was an insurance commercial where the guy is talking to the doctor on the phone, and the doctor is trying to talk him through 
doing a, a surgery on himself and <laughs> do-it-yourself surgery. Right. We're not wanting people to do do-it-yourself counseling. But, no. But what is some, like, routine, you know, going back to the tar metaphor, what's some routine maintenance that you can do for your emotional health, being part of a small group? For sure. But what are some other good habits to develop for emotional health? Right on. Uh, I'm telling you, the sleep is a mm. huge factor in mental health. Huge. If you're not sleeping, that would be a thing to notice and go, hmm, there's something to that. Mm. Now, we've got all kinds of devices, and, you know, there's so much study about, you know, the blue light and stuff like that that comes from our phones, PDAs, like all that. Did I say PDA? Yeah, you just okay, dated yeah, yourself. I just dated myself. <laughs> I did. Uh, you access your MySpace. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> See episode two. (laughs) (laughs) So, to you know, if you see um, if you see yourself really struggling with sleep, but I mean, if I mean, so sleep is really critical. So if you're finding yourself binge watching TV shows instead of sleeping, then I mean, that's Mm. I would just say turn the TV off. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I have several clients who sleep with the TV on, Mm. and I just keep saying just. Don't sleep with the TV on, right? Well, but I fall asleep when it's on. I said, well, then set it on a timer to turn off. Right. Or just go ahead and turn it off when you're starting to feel yourself get drowsy. So sleep is huge. So that's a big deal right there. Um, and I just just knocked on a bunch of people's doors and said, I've been reading your mail, right? Because a yeah. lot of people don't sleep well. Um, and so uh, definitely reading and, um, you know, just keeping your mind alert during the day is something that we can do to keep ourselves healthy, right? Um, you know, the scripture talks quite a bit about a, a healthy and guarded mind, mm. right? And that's not the brain because the brain is a, an organ. The mind is something different. Um, and so God is very interested in us having a solid and a clear mind and guarded mind. And so, you know, obviously some disciplines of the faith really come in for us believers, um, you know, praying and um, scripture reading and even things, sure. things like fasting and things like that, going to church. So all of that is very, very important for us as we, um, as we guard our minds um, in Christ Jesus. And so for sure, something that we can do is uh, some stuff like that. That's I think good. You know, if there'd be other things, I mean, exercise. You know, there's there's something very very important about us exercising. Oh yeah. I read this book. Um, uh, I forget the author. Um, he, he wrote a book called How to How to Overcome Depression Without Medication, and um, you know he, he identifies sleep as something critical. He identifies uh, community as something critical. This isn't a Christian author. Yeah. Community in some, is, is something very, very critical. I've heard, heard that somewhere before. Right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. One of these podcasts, I think. And uh, just that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but then uh, he talked about sunlight. You know, mm. we don't, um, we, we spend so much of our time inside. And so, you know, getting the proper sunlight, um, His the whole premise of his book was based on when people were hunter-gatherers. We didn't yeah. have this kind of mental health stuff. And so because our diet was good and, you know, our sleep was good and our community was good and our exercise was good. Um, and so all of that uh, really feeds into better mental health. For sure. 
Uh, yeah. I think there's lots that you can unpack and tie in there that I would love to do, but I don't want to get us too far off track. But I, I think you mentioned it. <clears throat> I'll just maybe double down on it a bit. It's, it's being a community, but being known, I think, is mm-hmm. oh, yeah. is a good practice of, of maintenance if you want to look at it that way, but it's just essential. Like, yeah. So make sure there's somebody that knows your stuff, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and I, So I'll tell the story that I think is helpful for this conversation. Um, that's a that's a, a process for anyway. So, <clears throat> as I said, I, I had some, I had an older cousin that you know sexualized and molested me <clears throat> when I was a kid, and and that led to me struggling with with pornography and masturbation from an early age, and um, and and so I struggled with that well into my faith and into my adulthood, and and just thought that I was not able to overcome that. I never thought it was related. I never thought my struggle with those things was related to. The abuse. I dismi- mm. I didn't even real. I didn't even consider myself being abused. Like right. that's just something that happened to me as a kid. I just dismissed it. I, it didn't. It did, had no feeling for me. You know, it, it didn't bear any of that. But I continued to struggle with those issues, and so I ended up. Uh, so I ended up at the journey years ago, years ago up in St. Louis, and and the first part of what what I know God used is that all of a sudden I'm hearing a church that was talking about counseling, and their pastors were talking about getting counseling, and how it's not okay, to, or it's okay to not be okay, and things like that. And so that was a piece, but I didn't immediately go, oh, let me get some of that. I didn't, but but that was a piece. I remember it. And the second piece was, uh, I was meeting with a guy, another one of the pastors, and and talking to him about my struggle. And I sort of, in passing, brought up, you know, what had happened to me as a kid and was just ready to move on to another point. But just, and he stopped me and he was like, whoa, 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 what, hmm. what did you say? And I was like, yeah, this happened. He goes, Jordan, that matters. I was hmm. like, what do you mean? And I was like, nah, you know, I just kind of dismissed it. And he goes, no, man, like that. He goes, you never thought about this being related? And I was like, not really. Like everybody struggles with these things, right? I just, I just, I just can't get there yet, and I want like help me get better. You know, like every man struggles with, with right. yeah. those things, and so just help me get better. And he said, "No, man, I think you need to, you need to like go there. You need to get some counseling. You need to get some help." And so I did, mm-hmm. and it was really helpful for me. But I don't think I would have gone if he'd have just said it, and I hadn't heard our, our pastors sort of destigmatizing it. I don't think I'd have gone. Right. And also, if he did, or if I obviously when I just heard them saying it, destigmatize, I didn't sign up. So it took both of those things um, for me. So it's just an encouragement for people, I think, to you know not be ashamed and talk about it. But and because I would say I know the, I said this earlier, like I think I know not only myself better, but I know the Lord better because of that experience. Yeah, yeah. And I did, I did, he did bring healing that I, you know, I love to talk about. I'm certainly open to, but I, again, I, it's not that that was disconnected from mm-hmm. my faith. Yeah, right. It was quite grounded in it, and Absolutely. it was, and, and I do. I think I know the Lord better. So, so that's an encouragement to make sure that somebody knows your stuff. Somebody knows your junk, right? Somebody you're you're talking to somebody, and you know, <laughs> similar to your story, Neil. You just got a friend, right? That's mm-hmm. asking some pointed questions and goes, "Hey, um, might need to consider this." So, um, it's just a, a, hopefully that's encouraging to to people from all different you know perspectives, whether you're considering it and and haven't had the courage to to lean in or whether you are walking with somebody. I know sometimes it can be hard. I've heard people say like, you know, when do we, when do we just lean into the Lord here? Why do we, you know, do we need right. this counseling deal? Like, and, and, and then sometimes it can be hard to know that balance, but I think we need to, we need to be willing to just to hear people and engage and know like, okay, if you haven't, if you're not in community, you're not being known, you, you probably start there. Potentially you might need to start the other place because you might not be able to be social because you've got some real issues. Right. But, right. But don't do one or the other. Try to do both. But. Yeah, that's good. 
and I love that whole be known thing. Um, one of the one of the things that happened um, in our just what, several months ago where that uh, that pastor Wilson was it Jared Wilson or something um, yeah. committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was so um, he was so pro mental health, mm-hmm. like just outwardly just advocate. Mental, yeah, yeah, like just get help, get help, get help. But then he just clearly was not known by either the right people or a person or something. And uh, I remember when that happened, and I, I hate to bring just that wet blanket into this conversation up, but at the same time, I remember that day feeling like calling every single one of the guys that I had discipled over the years and just you know, proverbially, like, or through the phone, grabbing their collar and lovingly but firmly saying, I know you. <laughs> and I remember doing that to two of them in very, very emotional conversations because mm-hmm. one's a church planter to this day and, um, uh, and really struggling through the church planting bits early on for them. And I just called them up and I said, Dude, I know you and you're known by me. You know, I don't know everything that you're going through right now because you're far away. But don't you ever feel like nobody knows me knows you? And uh, what he said to me was profound. He said, "Just that day," and it didn't have to do with the Wilson thing. He said, "Just that day," he was telling his wife, "Nobody knows me here." Yeah. <laughs> and so to just really because that root that sets in that root sets <laughs> in. And it doesn't seem like a big T trauma because, we, can, we, you know, certain people put themselves in those situations like church planters. But, man, it's, it's traumatic because you're there doing what you think God's calling you to do, which for, for them it definitely is. But now they're just, they feel unknown by yeah. people and they're, they're spinning their wheels. And so to be known by somebody is huge yeah. for sure. I, I want to lean into that just for a second because I think what you're saying about you know pastors in particular but uh, is is true and um, and is and is common uh, I, I and maybe this is part of another episode um, because well actually so that disturbed me that I didn't know that guy or anything but I, we're reading about that I mean it had been kind of a hard year that I'd had like three friends you know drop out of ministry or be removed from ministry because of other moral issues and different things. And, and then that came and I'm just like, man, so that hit me really hard. So I read a lot about that. And so mm-hmm. actually that particular instance, I, what's interesting is he was known. They mm-hmm. knew his staff had sent him on a sabbatical, his elder board had sent him on a sabbatical. They knew he had deep uh, mm-hmm. mental health issues and that he struggled with suicidal thoughts. So he did, he was known Oh wow. and he, and he really just kind of, it, it, it's like, but I think there was still this pressure to just keep, get up, get up and keep performing. Right. And it obviously got the best of them, you know. But and so maybe that's another issue because there, for me, that was difficult to reconcile. Like, there's a deep mental health issue here yeah. that doesn't mean he's less of a Jesus follower than me, or that his faith exactly. is less than mine. There's a deep mental struggle that I I can't. Yeah. So I think I can relate to a lot of things about what he was going through. But as far as that, like I can't. And so it's diff- difficult for me to sort of reconcile that and and validate that that's a legitimate struggle that just being known didn't fix mm. but at the same time know that yeah for most people 
we're just not being known and we are trying to tough it out and struggle and it does lead to this isolation and this fear of now if somebody does know me I'm gonna be I might lose my job or I might lose my their respect and fill in the blank and so um, anyway so perhaps that's another episode which is a good point Uh, so one of the things you know I I expect we'll have Tim back and uh, because I think this is a, a field that that has a lot of conversations to be had so what I wanted to encourage our listeners we give you the you know, the info at Fermented Faith each week. But if you have a question in particular about this, or for Tim in particular, we'd love to hear it, and we'd love to schedule the time for Tim to come back and, and address those questions. So sure. so far I'm away, whatever it might be about counseling, mental health, um, and those sorts of things, um, yeah, we'd love to hear them, and we'll, we'll do a part two with, right with Mr. Bueller. Glad to do it. You know, um, and, and I, Jordan, I appreciate you saying um, that about performing, too. Yeah. I think that that you know Neil, you had asked earlier, kind of what's the what's a warning sign on the dashboard. Um, I think if you if somebody in your life says you should get some help with that, and you say I can't because I'm too busy, mm. or I would get fired, mm-hmm. I can't take a day off, I can't take time off to go to a counseling appointment because my boss would know and they would fire me. Um, if your mental health is not important enough to deal with you're driving your car without oil yeah. hmm. and you're going to burn up and you know, there's just, it's just not worth it. I mean, the, the pay, the trade off is not going to be um, in a good thing. So it'll cost you more than I, I tell my clients it this way. Sometimes it'll cost you more than you thought it would. Hmm. And it's just not worth it. And, um, and I usually pose it as a question. Yeah. Like, do you think it would be worth it if it cost you more? And so it's really, really something to really pay attention to. We talk about costs just briefly, and and particularly this episode, I think people outside of our church that's listening, which which is great, but particularly for our, our, our people at the journey, because um, anyway, so it does cost, and it can that can be an issue for an obstacle for oh, some yeah, people, sure. the, the yeah. actual financial yeah. cost. So yeah, it's not. What's your free. encouragement with that? Like, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, as far as that goes, you know, the the agency that I work for is Sparrow Family Services, and uh, they're outside of Mount Vernon. Um, but we have two therapists right here that, that operate out of the Journey Church um, here in Marion for uh, about, well, I guess we're here four or five days a week. Each of you are here four days a week. Yeah, so like four days a week. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're here. And so Sparrow f- takes insurance and Medicaid. And, and so both Jennifer, the other therapist, and I, we both can see Blue Cross Blue Shield clients, insurance clients, and stuff like that. So, um and a lot of times I know for, um, um, and Jordan, you can speak more specifically and authoritatively about this, but I know um, me personally, uh, I've benefited from uh, my own uh, blessing from being part of this church and a member of this church uh, because when I went to Nashville, Tennessee to get my own counseling, um, Jordan was, uh, and, the chur- and the church was willing to pay half of that cost or a portion yeah. of that cost. I can't remember what it was. but half you out so, of pocket. You know, and so for for it's not just something that I've heard you say from the pulpit. It's you know it's okay to be um, it's okay to be broken and and get help if you need it. And, and we don't want you to you know we want you to call us, but we'd rather you call us before the house is burnt down. Yeah. Things like that. You've said the, a lot of that, but you're, you're doing more than just saying it. You're saying okay, we're gonna meet up with that financially and say we want to help you get there. And so I know several of the the folks that you've referred to. To Sparrow, get that benefit, and so that's yeah. been a real blessing. 
Yeah, so basically we do believe in it, and we, we don't want to outsource all of our pastoral care, and, we, and we'll do a lot of pastoral care. You know, a lot of times when, when somebody's leaning in and not sure what they need, I'll meet with them first, or me and Tim will talk to them together, and we'll sort of, all right, is it, is it pastoral counseling that you need? Can yeah. we can we be helpful there? And let's try that first, and there's no charge for that. That's, that's part of the work God's called me to do. Um, and if not, okay, look, if it is more the professional clinical side, then let's let's talk about that. And if, if finance isn't an obstacle, yeah. if that's an issue that's preventing you from doing it, we'll carry that burden with you. Um, yeah. And kind of the, the default is we'll, we'll pay half of your out-of-pocket, and if it needs to be more or, or like we'll just explore that and we we want we want people to, to get healing and so yeah so we have a partnership with with sparrow where you you know sparrow pays a little bit of uh lease yeah. you know rent here to the church to use our offices and we just set that money aside and say we're going to help our people get get services and get yeah. get healing through that and so um we'll we'll, we'll carry that with you we'll, we'll, we'll bear that burden and, and try to figure that out because we do believe in in abundant life and we believe this is one of the ways that jesus wants to Help us heal. So. Yeah, redeem his people for sure. Cool. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for coming in. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah. Glad to be here, Neil. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of Fermented Faith. Like Jordan was saying, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email at info at fermentedfaith.com. And as I leave today, as I leave you guys today, I um, want to share one of my favorite passages of Scripture talks about the mind is Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Amen. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Good God work. bless. Thanks, See you guys. guys.